Hey, Veronica, uh, I've been doing some thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, Not again. Yeah, yeah I, again, again. Well, yeah. You know, we here at the uh, uh, box office time machine department, we're in over our heads. The movies we've been reviewing have gotten too crazy. We can't handle half of them. We've gone on hiatus for tons of times, and half of our department is horribly corrupt. Well, what? I mean, I'm aware, but what do you suggest, John? Well, it's not a suggestion. I've already done it. I've, I've invited some help. Oh. I've asked. I've asked for us to be joined by the Pod Man. He's. He's a crazy person who dresses like an animal. He's, he's that guy standing behind you right now. The pod man? But he's... You're a vigilante, pod man. We don't yeah. need the likes of you on our podcast. Hey, hey, Veronica, I trust him. Look, I know what you're thinking. Is he violent? Yes, he's incredibly violent. Is he crazy? Demonstrably so. But... You know, I thought I had a response. I don't remember why I invited him, but I invited him, and he's going to help out, okay? All right, well, as long as he does the toot-toot this time. Oh, he doesn't really toot-toot. He mostly just does what other podcast hosts have done in the past, except that he listens to Nirvana songs all the time. Oh, you mean one Nirvana song multiple times. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I haven't I haven't checked. Either way, we don't really have licensing for it, so it'll probably be no Nirvana songs for our listeners. Aw, toot toot. Podman, you wanna help us out? <laughs> wow, I almost prefer the growl to the whisper. Oh well, toot toot. <laughs> toot toot. <laughs> <laughs> This this one went long. <laughs> Was that a long intro? <laughs> you know, it felt long, but you know, justified for sure. <laughs> oh, long but justified is, I guess, the question of the day. <laughs> we're here to talk about Matt Reeves, the Batman. So it's the Batman. This is what the I, Batman. Everyone, yeah, it's the Batman. Every other Batman that we've seen were a Batman. Yeah, and this one is like, the Batman. It's like the Suicide Squad or the Facebook or... It really has the vibe of, you know, in early Twitter and Instagram, people's handles <laughs> were like the thing. So it'd be like the Veronica Yurovsky. <laughs> so it, it, it had that retro vibe. Do you think the next one is good? The next reboot is going to be called like underscore Batman? <laughs> or it would be the real Batman. <laughs> The real Batman underscore Batman 01. (laughs) No, we're talking about the Batman 2022. But who are we and what are we doing? Well, (laughs) I am the real Veronica Yurovsky. 
and I am Jackass31, my actual AIM screen name. <laughs> or you could know me as John Bershad. And this is Box Office Time Machine, the show where we talk about the number one movie at the box office, either this weekend or a weekend from the past. <laughs> but we're doing a recent movie today. We are doing The Batman. Veronica... I didn't see this one with you. I don't really know uh, what you think. Uh, yeah, I did. I read your letterbox review. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was hardly a review, but I did not expect to enjoy it. Anything about the trailers led me to believe that I would not enjoy it. And I ended up really enjoying it. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, I, I'm going to get this out of the way because I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes where it sounds like I really didn't like a movie because there's a lot of individual <laughs> things that I didn't like. Um, a whole bunch. So I'm going to sound very critical, but overall, I really liked it as well because there's a lot of other things that I absolutely loved. Yeah, I thought it was like an interesting, uh, an interesting take on the Batman, uh, and I thought all the actors were good. I really loved the uh, the whole set design, the way that they imagined mm. Gotham. Uh, so. Yeah, and I didn't. I wasn't even bothered about the super long runtime. It didn't really feel that long until. Well, we can talk about it until the way too many endings that they had. <laughs> but otherwise, it felt like it kind of went in a deliberate pace, but an you know, an engaging one. Then it felt like it didn't feel that long to me. What did you think about the length of it? Well, let's start there. I guess um, just so the the audience um, knows for sure, and we know for sure that collectively we've seen the whole movie. When did you go to the bathroom? I managed to not go to the bathroom. I was super proud of myself. You're you're a monster and a freak, and probably didn't see it at a movie theater serving beer. Um. <laughs> well, I actually I saw it at the Alamo, so I had a drink. Uh, but you know, How? I have a, a prost, not a prostate, a bladder of a much younger <laughs> woman and I was able to <laughs> not go to the I don't, I don't know what it was cause I went on a six hour plane flight yesterday. I didn't pee once, but the Batman, I, I definitely had to pee. Um, I, I peed, I, it was the part where the police arrest him right where he got knocked out. And he was waking up in the PlayStation. I'm like, okay, we're going to get about 45 seconds of them debating whether to unmask him. I can pee right now. And I got back right as he was making his plan with uh, Gordon on how to escape. I feel like I got what I needed. (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised. You peed very quickly because it feels like those things kind of happen right after the other. (laughs) I was very lucky to be both a man <laughs> with a penis <laughs> and in a movie theater where our screening was right next to the men's room. Uh, okay. um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, very cool. Uh, but, I mean, well, let's start. Uh, let's start actually with this. I think I've said let's start four times. Uh, what am I, WB trying start, to begin? Let us uh, start, let us start. What is that, that uh, Annette musical? <laughs> oh, yes. Now may we start? Now may we start. I was going to say I'm like a DC trying desperately to start a, uh, a movie franchise that continues <laughs> over and over again. Um, but uh, what is your what is your history with Batman the character? Veronica, uh, famously not a fan of Spider-Man. What is your, your history with Batman the character and Batman films? What's your favorite? I actually it's probably my favorite character, uh, comic book character, or at least like mainstream 
uh, comic book character. So I've seen basically all the Batman movies minus the Ben Affleck ones. <laughs> because mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just too big uh and uh <laughs> uh and i love the nolan ones i unabashedly well i unabashedly love the dark knight i was very disappointed by the dark knight rises but only because my expectations were sky high i was very obsessed with the dark knight when it came out um so i'm always hopeful uh when i watch a batman movie that it would be good because i like the character I like the fact that he has no superpowers. I like that all of us sort of, he's a detective, which we will think, talk about in this one where he does a lot of detecting, which I really liked. Um, so yeah, I, I like Batman. So I'm primed to enjoy Batman movies and also be very disappointed by Batman movies if they're bad. (laughs) (laughs) How about Uh, you? I, um, Call me crazy. I'm a fan of the Batman character as well. Wow. I know. Super unique. I'm Copycat. not like other boys. Can you believe it? Um, I also like the Batman character. I'm a Burton head. Uh, Batman Returns is up there with Spider-Man 2 as my favorite superhero movies. So I very much I like my superhero movies to be to have an artistic, <laughs> unique artistic vision to them and to be not in the realm of reality. Mm-hmm. I do love the Dark Knight. Um, and I like The Dark Knight Rises more than most people upon initial watch. I haven't uh, rewatched it. But um, I prefer my superhero movies to be a little unreal. Um, and this is a weird one where in many ways it is trying so hard to be even realer than the aggressively real, quote unquote, uh, Nolan movies. Right. And yet the set design you talk about, like Gotham is the New York skyline with random British buildings <laughs> stuck in there yeah. and, else, and just spiky bridges for no reason. And you have the Penguin where they have almost like the, the 1990 Dick Tracy movie made him look Colin Farrell looked like a cartoon character straight out of like a cutscene from an Arkham Asylum game. And, and also I love- depriving a character actor of a role. Yeah. Like there is no yeah. reason for yeah. me for him to be cast in that role, really. <laughs> That's I. That is an argument to make. A very fair argument to make. There's no reason why Colin Farrell should be doing this. But I loved. I love the idea of like, yeah, let's make everything look like it's in a cartoon, mm-hmm. and I love that stuff. And in the first, I I love the opening of like. 45 minutes of this so much you know um the initial cold open murder scene is fine it's whatever it was okay but like the whole opening stuff with like batman hiding in the shadows and his like dumb uh voiceover his taxi driver voiceover (laughs) yeah i mean we can we could get into the fact that this is so many movies put together this is if david fincher directed the uh nolan trilogy and added the martin scorsese voice voiceover um but i loved all that opening stuff it felt so much like it was jumping off of a comic page and my overall feeling about this movie is there's so many stuff like so much stuff like that that i absolutely loved and yet the thing that really holds this movie back for me is the plot this movie's Mm -hmm. three hours long i've heard that there were cuts that were four hours i've heard that there was a five hour cut oh wow Um, (laughs) Yeah, and it does feel like there are a lot of, like, thematic things that are introduced and 
maybe one or two key scenes from that storyline has been cut out for every story. So stuff doesn't really come together at the end. And I can talk about which scenes I mean specifically. But yeah, I love the performances. I love the costume, except I don't think... uh, uh, Batman should ever be in full costume riding a motorcycle in the daytime. It looked stupid in the behind-the-scenes footage, and guess what? It looked stupid in the movie. But, um, but I loved all that stuff. I loved uh, the cinematography, Michael Giacchino's four-note four score. I mean, um, it was the em- Imperial March, wasn't it? It was basically lo- the Imperial March. It was like, dumb, A lot of people have dumb, said that. Dumb, dumb. It's not exactly, it's, it's bum, 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 bum. I, I mean, once we left the movie theater, everyone was like, this is the Imperial March. One of the, one of the people I saw it with said the same thing. But I, either way, um, I found it effective in the movie. But yeah, it was the overall like kind of plot stuff that didn't, that didn't work and kind of held me back and made me feel a little underwhelmed in the last act. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll We'll start. Jesus Christ, John. We'll start there. And we start. We'll start. We're f- 14 minutes into this podcast. We'll start there. Veronica, what did you think of the, the plot? Uh, so I, as mentioned earlier, I really liked how they leaned into the detective part of it. So mm-hmm. that whole uh, stuff I really liked. I will say I will highlight the fact that I understood exactly what was happening at, Basically all times. I feel like the plot was semi-convoluted, but also totally understandable, which is not an obvious thing to me in superhero movies. I kind of understood everyone's motivations and where everyone were coming from, which is great. Uh, and yeah, and I liked how this was, as you said, it was kind of very similar to the plot of Zodiac, which, I mean... They are kind of telegraphing by making the Riddler be the Zodiac, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which I really liked. Uh, Zodiac is one of my favorite movies, so I did enjoy all of that. I liked that. Uh, but I wasn't super... It felt like uh, at times there were maybe too many villains. Because mm. to me, the most interesting one was the Riddler. My favorite scenes were... I think with the Riddler, like the scene where they arrest Paul Dano in a diner was so creepy and good. Uh, and like when they talk, it was great. And so I wanted more Paul Dano and I, it feels like we went sometimes on detours with Falcone and, um, and, uh, the penguin who are sort of represented the more like mob movie part mm. of it and then we had the cat woman and she's more of a femme fatale kind of vibe so it might be like more of a thriller with her maybe like a film noir or something and so it felt like maybe when the movie was kind of veering away from the detective plot that it felt like it was weaker for me because uh, I feel like if they kind of went all in in that one direction it could have been more interesting maybe uh, and they would have hit more interesting beats. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I also really liked the mystery angle. I felt like a lot of the action scenes uh, felt weirdly tacked on. Um, and we can talk, talk about that later. It's specifically one example. But um, but I like the mystery stuff. But So this is a mystery. This is a detective mystery. But it's not like a whodunit. 
It's the Riddler. The Riddler did it. We saw the <laughs> opening scene. He did it. Well, it's um, somewhat of a whodunit because he's sort of trying to figure out the overall right. uh, sort well, of corruption that the Riddler is trying to lead him to. It's a conspiracy mystery where it's yeah. not about like who did it. It's how all the pieces are connected and why the crime is happening. Right. You know, it's like a Chinatown. It's we we know the bad it's people. It's a parallax people- view. It's yeah. uh <laughs> The bad people are the people who look and act bad, but we don't know how they're connected until the end of the movie. Um, But the thing is, I feel like usually in the best example of of those, once all the pieces are put together, it all kind of – once you see the whole picture, you see – it connects to the theme and the story that's being told. And I do feel like there are just some connective tissues that some of those pieces are missing in how the character arc connects to that. Like, would you agree that this is the story of Batman realizing he's not doing a very good job at being Batman? I mean, I think it's a story of Batman learning to be more Batman because, as he mentioned, he's only <laughs> been doing it for like two years, which I did appreciate when he was fucking up. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, things did not go his way. And uh, I I enjoyed that because I feel like in many of the other Batman movies, he is usually, you know, he's sort of like... A Vin Diesel, uh, or no, The Rock in that Jason Statham movie where neither of them could, you know, uh, could lose in a fight. And sometimes it feels like that with Batman movies. So I like that they kind of made him more human, I guess. I, I To me, it felt like, which is where I feel like they... Maybe it's because this movie was PG-13. Maybe, I don't know, because we can't really play with the mythos too much. But while I like that we did not get a scene of his parents dying, that was great. Uh, and I also like that they had uh, that uh, his dad, like, they kind of at the end, it sort of kind of the sins of the father kind of a thing. Uh, was happening with his dad, but it felt that they still needed to shoehorn in a scene where Alfred is like, well, he's not really that bad, you know? So it felt like they were really holding their punches uh, from leading the movie into more interesting territory. Yeah, the Alfred storyline and the the Tom Thomas Wayne stuff is where I feel like the most things are missing, and I would assume reshot or cut. Um, because we have the, this main story is he's yeah he's underclassman classman Batman he's <laughs> he's new he doesn't really he's he's a little more confident but he's got he's still got time to grow and he's gradually realizing through all these connections that he needs to do more and change his process if he really wants to help this city at the beginning we hear him say if I can't make a difference what am I even doing maybe I should just die or whatever he's real emo um and we see that great opening scene where he realizes that innocent people are just as afraid of him as criminals are i love that moment i thought that was great mm-hmm. then we have alfred starting they start to be a conflict with alfred about how he's behaving and alfred's trying to get him to do more as bruce wayne yada yada but then alfred gets stuck in the zodiac storyline and alfred just becomes dude who reads ciphers until we get a resolution to a conflict that was never really explored well about yeah. whether so it i 
everything comes back to this idea of like, you know, people telling him how he could be better and showing how he, Selena Kyle is letting him know that he, through Selena Kyle, he, he realizes that he doesn't really understand, you know, other, you know, regular people um, or women in his nice uh, looking through women's eyes uh, uh, scenario. Um, We have the Riddler who is his own kind of vigilante and in a twist that I love thinks that they're on the same side. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have him realizing that Thomas Wayne kind of sucked as well. But I feel like we didn't get. Okay. So why do we not have a scene at the end where say, this the main difference in this Batman is that he's never Bruce Wayne. He's this is a Batman who has not yet learned that he there is some good to pr- doing the famous Bruce Wayne persona that say the Christian Bales or uh, the Michael Keaton's briefly did. He mm-hmm. just refuses to be Bruce Wayne at all. Why don't we have a scene at the end where like he as Bruce Wayne um acknowledges that like uh he's going to take over the renewal fund and make sure the money now goes to the correct places or something like that we see scenes with um the mayor candidate like telling him he doesn't do any philanthropy work yada 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 very blatantly she's like you're not doing anything I feel like there is a version of this movie. I feel like there is a a draft of the script or something where this was the defund the police Batman movie and something happened in production and it greatly changed to the point where literally we get the hashtag not all cops scene. Well, not only do we get that, but, you know, both of us live in New York City and there's been a lot of scaremongering from mainly the New York Post, but like other places as well about how, uh, you know, dangerous the subways are and how crime is on the rise, which is, you know, yes, true, but also really not as bad as people make it out to be. But this movie really felt like it was addressing that. It was more mm-hmm. just like, this is, you know, you're in New York City. This is what your city is going to be like. Um, and to the point where I think the New York Post posted something about how this uh, this movie came out at the wrong time because it's going to inspire people to be vigilantes, which is sort <laughs> of an interesting take, I suppose. But it felt like it resonated in that way uh more so than the sort of the a cab way to the point also they have the victim of in the beginning the guy is an asian dude and i don't know how intentional that was but that adds another layer if you're watching it from new york city where there was a rise in anti-asian hate crimes so yeah it was interesting i'm pretty sure it was not intentional necessarily because i feel like usually gotham is very much portrayed as that cesspool and you know comparing bernie like bernie gets to batman was something that was done at that time so it was it's definitely like a comparison that already exists and predates this movie uh, but it was interesting watching that movie in New York City and being kind of aware of, you know, the fear that some people feel going out into the streets right now, even though it's nowhere near as bad or terrible as the way Gotham is. Yeah, it's 
it, it, it'd be interesting to know because this movie had its production delayed by the pandemic, but some parts were filmed pre and post 2020. It would be very interesting to know which parts were changed and added. I have to assume that scene where, like, like I said, they come out and they're like, the police aren't all good are all bad. In fact, half the police are good. Um, <laughs> I have to imagine that scene was added more recently than all the other scenes where they're like, yeah, all the police are bad. The police are run by a corrupt guy. All the rich people are corrupt. The mayor is corrupt. Everyone's corrupt. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just feels like some uh, some punch got pulled. Some character development scenes got trimmed. We have this ending where he's like, I have to be heroic as an individual. But it did seem like the movie had some more systemic ideas. But we do not see any change in his be- behavior in relation to systemic problems in Gotham. Even though the conspiracy is all about systemic problems, is all about this massive web of corruption and how every part of the government is being funded by this basically by this rich guy who was trying to pay off a crime that made him indebted to everyone. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it is also interesting to kind of realize how civically minded Batman is. It's kind of cool. Like when you think about it, like most movies with Batman have to do with just him, like city hall should do better. Mm-hmm. You know, like all of our institutions should do better, which I feel like is such a nice, I don't know. I feel like that's a nice goal. It's obviously very, you know, overly sincere and probably naive, but I like that that is sort of the crux of most of these movies is this guy, you know, going local and trying to make, you know, the city where all these people live a better place, which is kind of nice. Well, I wonder how much of that is the core of the character and how much of that is what the core of the character has had to become because like because the character is this insanely rich asshole weirdo like i feel like in recent years we've had to push into how traumatized he is we've had to really highlight the dead parents to try to make this character in any way sympathetic beyond people who just like you know dude punches up other dudes um but yeah i do find that interesting can i um I'm just going to go through some of the little things that I really didn't like. Right. So then maybe we can we can we can go through that and then end on a more positive sphere about stuff we really did like. Um, I'm going to start with the biggest thing that I truly hated and really like is like a crater in the middle of the movie for me. Um, Batman instigates an incredibly dangerous high speed car chase that ends with. Dozens of innocent people horribly burned to death. No one ever remarks on this. It is a triumphant moment when he escapes the blaze. It's in the trailer. It's the penguin car chase. That blaze, those are innocent truckers burning to death. They would not have died. Yes, the penguin is the one who crashes into the truck. But (laughs) Batman started the car chase. I'm sorry. And then he spends the rest of the movie sanctimoniously telling the other people like, hey, Catwoman, you can't kill people. I never kill people. Hey, Batman, are you going to go to the funeral of those truckers and soulfully look at their orphaned kids? Uh, well, the thing to say about that, which is not 
does not excuse it <laughs> is the fact that most movies do this. Like we never think about what happens to all these innocent bystanders, uh, bystanders. Uh, so yeah, it's a bad movie trope, but it happens everywhere. And I also, I don't see anything wrong. I mean, this might be a, an edgelord take, but I don't see anything wrong with Batman killing people if he needs to. I don't know why that's like, a. I know that that's part of the character, uh, but does it have to be part of the character? I don't know. No, I don't think it does. I, I just think because the character has been so in this movie, so connected to the police, so connected to the idea of law enforcement that and like there's so many questions at the beginning and throughout brought up about like, is he doing what's right or is he too violent? Is he too frightening? The fact that no one like where's Alfred? Like, I feel like that scene should have been there where Alfred's like, what were you thinking driving onto that highway? And they have a big fight, which leads into then the explosion where Alfred almost dies. Like, I don't know. I feel like Alfred was really underserved by this movie. I think I think scenes were cut with Alfred. It does feel like when they looked at their five hour running time, they went, well, we're not going to cut Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. (laughs) And her lovely nose mask. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it felt because, you know, no, uh, Michael Caine was so good at, mm. as Alfred. Uh, I don't know how Jeremy Irons did. Maybe he did great. He's a wonderful actor. Uh, and I would love to have Scar as my Alfred. But uh, Michael, the way that Michael Caine played the role, it was more of a partnership with them. Uh, and it did feel like this was missing it because, um, yeah, Alfred is mainly there to just you know, tell Bruce Wayne that it's okay. You shouldn't be feeling the white guilt that you're feeling. <laughs> like that seemed to be his own. Cause he's also bad at ciphers. Like he doesn't, the, <laughs> the one cipher that he does solve, he does badly. And then Batman uses his like tech machine to solve the cipher the right way. So yeah, just very, they shortchanged Andy Serkis, which is a bummer. Yeah. I, I have to imagine there were more scenes about them fighting because it that that reunion scene is such a like clear ending of a subplot and it's like I don't think that subplot was in the movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, other little things, um, uh, Bruce. If you're trying to solve a murder mystery, I get that we don't want a boring scene of him putting pins up on a wall, and I guess they thought him just using a big computer the way other Batman's use was boring. Don't spray paint the clues onto your floor. Are you <laughs> even sure it was trying to hide your spray. identity? <laughs> um, uh, we get a joke about Batman not using guns, um, uh, even though Batman at this point of the movie has shot three people with a grappling hook gun. I know it's uh, <laughs> splitting hairs, but Batman, don't be sanctimonious about Jim Gordon using a gun when you've shot three people already. <laughs> um, and yeah, I hated the Joker scene. The Joker scene was fucking stupid. Get it out of the movie. Yeah. So at this point in this, since no, I feel like DC now have their own like Doctor Strange, like multi timeline thing happening. The Flash. Yeah. Where they're. Th- four jokers at 
by my cat, no, are three Jokers currently alive in various iterations of DC Ooh, this properties? Is fun. Let's let's figure this out. Okay. So there's Jared Leto Joker yep. with Ben Affleck Batman. Then there's uh which I don't know, I guess it's a later point of Batman's life, so maybe that's I don't know. Then there's the Joker Joker, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix, which apparently killed Batman's parents, so I guess he's like uh he's during his earlier years. And also now that Batman was a boy in the eighties, so that's a that's a different Batman as well. Yeah, so and now we have the sort of what we assume is the Joker talking to the Riddler at the end, played by a different actor. I don't think it's either of those people. No, so, it's um Barry uh Kogan Cohen from uh, from the Eternals and the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, oh, that's great. He's great. Uh, that's good casting. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, so now we have three Jokers. We have two Batmans. Do we have, like, one, you know, Partridge and Bush or whatever? There was definitely a Joker in the Gotham TV show. There was a, I have to imagine Titans might have a Joker. There's a Joker in the animated Harley Quinn show. Uh, Michael Keaton's coming back for The Flash. So, technically, Jack Nicholson's Joker is still in existence. Um, Too many Jokers? My Too question. many Batman, perhaps. We saw a trailer for a Batman movie before this Batman movie. Oh, did you? Which one? Oh, the um, uh, animated uh, uh, the Superman pet, Superman's dog. Oh. Did you not get that? No, we did not. We got... Oh, we got uh, everything that... Like the Daniels movie that has oh, everything everywhere at once. Better. Uh, yeah, it's it's an animated movie about Superman's dog and Batman's dog fighting crime together. They're voiced by The Rock and Kevin Hart. A friend of mine wow. saw an early cut of it, and I was like, can I predict the entire plot of the movie? And I tried, and I got pretty close. Wow, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Uh, but, oh, we did um, get like a sizzle reel of all the DC stuff coming out. That was insane. And I was like, this all looks bad. <laughs> that was, you know what that reminded me of? Do you remember... So uh, it, I imagine most people listening at this point have seen the movie. But if you uh, if you were trying to get a last minute pee in before the three hour movie and miss this, they played a basically coming up on DC 2022 sizzle reel of all the DC 2022 movies, including the one you're about to watch, uh, The <laughs> Batman. And it reminded me of... Do you remember in like the first season of Mad Men where Mad Men became this huge hit and AMC was like, oh, my God, we have to promote our other shows. But they hadn't yet created other shows that would make sense to be paired with Mad Men, like Breaking Bad or anything. So in the first season of Mad Men, they'd just be like, also on AMZ, uh, reunion, uh, reruns of shit. Yeah, <laughs> just Jurassic be- Park. <laughs> and so that's what it felt like when they were like, all right, you're here to see the Batman, but don't worry, you'll des- definitely also like, uh, um, what else have we got? What else have we got? <laughs> Yeah, it also felt like just too many movies released in a single year from DC. It, I think they had at least five titles, which seems like too many. It's um, um, Aquaman 2, The Flash, This Batman, and the Super, r- Super Pets movie. The Adam movie, Mad Adam or whatever oh, it's Black called. Oh, Black Adam with Adam. The Rock. Um, Is there more? 
I don't know. It just it felt it felt like I saw a wall of text and I was like, this is too many movies I don't care about. <laughs> I mean, Shazam 2 is going to come out eventually, but I don't know if it was in the sizzle reel. Oh, it, he was in the sizzle reel. Oh, okay. Pretty sure. Or maybe that was The Flash and I just misunderstood. That could be the case. I feel like also another thing about DC movies, even this one, color palette wise, they look interchangeable. Like if you showed me like you, they showed a sizzle reel and they literally to me look like they could be part of the same movie. Well, the Flash, Black Adam and Shazam all have lightning bolts, uh, you know, cartoony lightning yeah. bolts heavily used in their uh, costuming. So that's also that's a, a little confusing. All right, John, are you done with your list of gripes? Because I have list of non gripes, a list of yays, I will call it. Oh, well, before we just get to yays, I have one question. Um, do you think there's two things? I don't know if I missed this or not. Um, first off, our, our mutual friend, Rich, I saw it with him. He was positive that the um, Internet yahoos at the end were all fellow orphans at the um, Arkham, Arkham Orphanage. I thought there, they, it seemed like they might be going down that route, but they heavily swerved to imply that it wasn't that because that would be offensive. Because as Rich said, this is the first movie I've ever seen where the villains are all orphans. Um, yeah, no, I don't think they were. I think it yeah. was heavily implied that they were sort of... That was one of the yays that I was going to talk about, about how it sort of turns... It was also relevant in the sense of it kind of talking about these internet militias that form mm. on the internet. I like that by, as well. Yeah, because it felt like an incel slash 8chan, you know, kind of uh, proud boy cocktail. Uh, so um, we're, in, we're in agreement. Those weren't just the other orphans? That, no, um, I don't think they were. I think they were okay. just like sorry, other sorry, internet Rich, militia disagree. dudes. <laughs> yeah. Anything oh, else? My, uh, well, I want to talk about the militia stuff, and then we can get to the rest of your yays. My only other question was, was, was um, Paul Dano's Riddler supposed to be the son of the dead journalist? Uh... I don't think so. Because they show the journalist. They make sure we see the journalist's face. And he looks identical to Paul Dano. They're wearing the same glasses. And then later, you know, Paul Dano is an orphan. Mm, yeah, I'm not. Th I guess that's more plausible than all the militia people being orphans. I wonder if I there is. I, I hate that I, I always do this where I'm like, all the things I don't like were because scenes got cut. Um, but I wonder if in a version of this movie where Thomas Wayne is more shitty, where they go fully, fully go into lean into the thing that Thomas Wayne is an awful person. I wonder if they made it clear that, yes, Thomas Wayne had a hand in getting the Riddler's father killed. I mean, that would be good. Uh, yeah, I think that's an interesting angle. Also. Yeah, it would be a weird thing to cut. I guess, yeah, because they didn't It make, would make Thomas Wayne worse. Yeah. Because timing-wise, like, it wouldn't take long to just say, and he was my father! Okay, cool. Yeah, and especially because, like, the Riddler, like, from the moment when the Riddler's like, there was a journalist by the name of blah, 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 it seemed so much like how, like, we've seen so many villain monologues that then end with, and that man was my father! Exactly. So, yeah, I think you're... If it is, in fact, the case, I think your assumption as to why I got cut is the right one. Mm. All right. Well, those are those are some of my my boos. Let's hear your yays. All right. Well, first, yay again, production design. 
as you said, it does look like Manhattan, but it also looks like the biggest. So basically, imagine the Manhattan skyline and then just add a ton of buildings and make it go for forever longer. It just felt like the city had such a sense of place and of scale that I don't think I ever felt in a Batman movie before. Every scene if where they would pan across the skyline would be so overwhelming in the best way where like there would be like so many of these grandiose buildings. Uh, and it was very cool to look at. I felt like every set had something unique about it. The Carmine Falcone layer was so cool. It felt like sort of the Continental Hotel, I guess, from John Wick or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just... Every, it felt like a lot of thought went into designing these things, which obviously there has in all the other movies too, but it felt like this time around it actually was kind of, you know, like in a Sex and the City, uh, a character in the movie. Uh, yep. God, that was yep. a character in the movie. I was very much thinking of Sex and the City during this. Uh, yeah, you were thinking, oh, I wonder where Carrie is brunching these. <laughs> <laughs> during this uh so second thing that's what i want i want more dc things that are like i've been asking i want a rom-com in either the dc universe or the marvel universe <laughs> i want a rom-com set in gotham i, think <laughs> I keep would going be out with guys and they keep being horribly murdered <laughs> i also liked uh that is a very tiny thing but in the beginning when there's a guy who um robs a, a deli a convenience store and his mask is just a giant pear i don't know if that's a reference to anything but i, I thought it was adorable was it uh, a, yeah it was some kind of veggie or something yeah it was maybe it was like a, a gourd of some kind but <laughs> uh but it was green so i figured it was a pear um there was did you see there was another mask that looked like the Statue of Liberty, but with way more spikes. Oh, and yeah. I wonder if that's their Gotham. Because, like, that's the kind of shit I love about, like, yes, this is a, the cities you recognize, but just too much. It's yeah. all too much. So, yeah, if their Statue of Liberty is just the Statue of Liberty with instead of one, like, tiara, it's just nonstop spikes, like a fucking insane drawing of Lisa Simpson. Then, yes, <laughs> I am into that. Yeah, I thought all that stuff, like everything about the production design, I really, really dug. Uh, the second thing is sort of, I really like the the Riddler organizing on, you know, on mm -hmm. his Instagram account or whatever, on the social media. He's dark and, twitch. And I also like that he didn't have that many followers, which was very realistic. Uh, and so I really enjoyed that part. Um, I also like the idea of... Uh, the eye like the you put a camera in someone's eye and then mm -hmm. you can like detect through them that was really cool um and yeah just like paul dano's performance as i mentioned earlier i think was the highlight for me he's not in it for long but he feels i feel like the he was he in the movie the prisoners that hugh jackman jake gyllenhaal movie where they kidnapped this I guy i did not see it but he plays he goes sort of loud, quiet, loud so well, where like he would be so even keeled and creepy. And then all of a sudden there would be a burst and then it would go back. 
Uh, and that was really good. And at the end, I felt it was very spooky when all it felt so plausible that an organized militia would just send all these people to shoot up a politician. It almost felt too real. Uh, I felt they did like a good, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how good of a job you do. Maybe hopefully not inspiring anyone to do anything. Uh, not that they need inspiration or further inspiration from a DC movie, but that stuff <laughs> also uh, felt very creepy. I will say uh, one of a nit that I have is that why would you have your evacuation zone in an arena that is under the water yeah. level? Yeah, it, it makes no sense. I also th- I have to imagine something was cut earlier about some discussion of the flood plan, because once mm-hmm. that happens, everyone's like, oh, man, the flood plan. And I was like. We're two and a half hours into this movie. No one's ever mentioned a flood plan before. But everyone, yeah. yeah they Because this Gotham is every city, they also do the Hurricane Katrina, people go to the Astrodome. But the difference is the Astrodome is above ground and, high, and the higher thing, where this is a bunch of people surrounded by skyscrapers who are like, quick, let's go into MSG. <laughs> yeah, which I, I, I will say that I appreciated that plot because it was all all about seawalls and how seawalls are not going to be the only thing that will keep you from global warming, which I thought was a very progressive message. Uh, but yeah, it just it felt so dumb that they would all go there. And then also just I didn't really understand what Batman did at, at the end. So he was trying to get <laughs> himself electrocuted so a pole would not fall into the water and electrocute everyone. But then there were several times in that movie where Batman should have been way more severely hurt than he was. There was the scene with uh, Peter Sarsgaard who gets exploded. and But Batman's <laughs> face is not even like... A, like it, it doesn't even have any sort of he like was like three feet away, it. Veronica. He was fine. It was so that one. Someone in the audience was like, "Why is he not burned?" <laughs> Which uh, made everyone laugh. Uh, I, and and also like that one. At that like, point, he had already one, been like, shot like thirty times. So yeah. So the one time that he gets severely injured is the time when they need Catwoman to nurse mm. him back to life. But every other time. And that time, it didn't feel like that was that severe because, again, he survived an explosion (laughs) three feet away. But, like, someone, like, shooting him into his armor was, like, the thing that really brought him down. Yeah, in Batman rules, apparently, he can be shot infinite times with handguns, revolvers, or assault rifles. But if you shoot him with a shotgun, he's down for the count. Especially needs, if there's a lady nearby to nurse him he back. He will so. need to be saved. Uh, yeah, I think what was happening there at the end, I don't think the end did, that that whole ending didn't really work because, again, I also don't it didn't feel like it was a culmination of his arc that like, OK, he's going to kill himself. I thought that was like a bad thing of his character plan was that he didn't care about his own life. But sure, whatever um, was that he saw that electricity was uh, uh, a big uh, like the the 
the big scoreboard, the jumbotron, was about mm-hmm. to fall into the water where all the people were, including the mayoral candidate and little orphan boy. <laughs> and so he cut the wire so that there was no more power falling. But by cutting the wire, he himself fell. And that was his sacrifice that he may have died from the fall. And yet he didn't. It was a little silly. And it's also the kind of thing where it's like, I, I think it kind of wants to be like a sacrifice for the better of the city, but it's not like the end of the Dark Knight where he, you know, chooses to be blamed for all of Two Face's crimes because right. he feels that the symbol of Harvey Dent is more important. We barely know uh, Bella Real, I believe, is the mayoral candidate. Yeah. Um, the 28 year old mayoral candidate played by a 25 year old actress. Everything <laughs> to make me feel old. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure, I'm sure she has. Has the chops to take over a city that is between five and five hundred million citizens. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we're supposed to feel <laughs> like, but I, I I don't know how we're supposed to feel about Bella Real because there's also a line where the criminals do not seem concerned. It's not like something where like the criminals are like, oh no, if she gets put in power, someone's going to put a stop to us. The criminals repeatedly say like, oh yeah, who gives a shit? We still control the city. Who cares if she wins? That's I true. thought we were going to find out that she was corrupt as well, uh, in some way corrupt as well. I I I don't know. I, I, that it's just that kind of thing where I feel like the overall mystery, while it made sense, like the mystery and what we learned about the city did not connect well enough to his overall character arc to make those last scenes where he's, you know, leading the people out of the flood uh, and finally helping people and they're not afraid of him. It just didn't work all together to make me be like, aha, this is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Like that's we we want everything to come together at the end, and it just didn't really. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved well, maybe, all these little things. Maybe it needed another hour. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it needed release the Reeves cut. <laughs> it definitely needed about twenty more minutes of some character things, but you could cut out a lot of dumb shit. Um, every time Batman reaches for one of the Riddler's letters, he reaches in extreme slow mo. We do not need that every time. 45 seconds of Robert Pattinson slowly reaching for an envelope. You know what? We are 50 minutes into this podcast. I think that's the first time we've said Robert Pattinson's name. That's true. What did you think of Robert Pattinson? Uh, Well, I thought that he has the jaw to, you know, fill that cowl. Uh, I thought he was good. I will say that it was somewhat jarring to see him as Bruce Wayne, but really not jarring to see him as Batman. I don't know if that makes sense. There's a scene at mm-hmm. the end uh, where he talks to Alfred where it felt like he looked like a Muppet a little bit. Like the way that he was moving <laughs> had like Muppet qualities to me. I, I, yeah, I think well, he did wave his arms around wildly like, while ah! going, yeah. <laughs> Gotham is burning. And he did Uh, eat a cookie by just crumbling it up in his mouth so the crumbs fell to the ground. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know what it was about him, but the way he was emoting and just moving his head felt like the way, you know, if Oscar the Grouch was Batman, that's how he would also move. Uh, But that's not a criticism. (laughs) 
It's not, uh, but yeah, and not thought, fair because we all know Grover is the superhero in the Sesame Street universe. He's Super Grover. Oh, okay. Sorry, I I'm not up to date in the. As far as I know, MPU. it is not canon oh, no, that I, Oscar the Grouch has put on any kind of superheroics. It would also be the MCU, the Muppet Cinematic Universe. Yep, yep, the Muppet Cinematic Universe. Uh, but I thought I thought he was good. Uh, is I also like that he was not. Uh, super chiseled and that we were not actually focusing on his body as much as we usually like these movies seem to focus on how much an actor gained for this role how much muscle mass and all that and from reading about what happened here is that Robert Pattinson just couldn't be bothered to gain weight so they (laughs) might have just shot around him but it felt more real to me uh, to not have it you know focus on him being like super jacked or something I, like that i will say though there there's been a you know in the lead up to this movie there were tons of conversation about oh he didn't get jacked for the role he refused to do it um he's gonna look more normal um there is oh god i feel bad um some female comedian i forget who who has a joke about how um when uh uh, models were like we're not going to use uh, photo touching anymore it just made uh, her feel worse because she went oh now I realize these people are just actually yeah. that beautiful <laughs> like that's kind of what I felt was like oh Robert Pattinson's not going to get all jacked and then we see him without a shirt I'm like he's still pretty jacked well, here's, <laughs> he's in pretty good shape well here's my theory you really only see him without his shirt with his back turned mm. to, to the camera so I would be very open to the possibility that it's someone else's back. It could be Ben Affleck's back, a Baffleck. <laughs> I think I think he's just got a big beer belly. I think he's got an Adam West kind of paunch going on, <laughs> and that's what I want in my Batman. I mean, that was wasn't that kind of the beginning of Batman Year One, or there was some comic where Batman was out of shape. Oh, really? Uh, and he had to kind of go back. To, you know, his chiseled self. Uh, Speaking of his chiseled self, I have a question for you. I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about this movie and they were saying, finally, this is a superhero movie and this is a Batman that is feels comfortable being, you know, sexy and and and. It feels like a sexual being. And I was like, what movie were you watching? No. <laughs> this is the first Batman I've ever seen where I'm like, that dude's a virgin. <laughs> yeah, it did not feel like that to me at all. I, I mean, mean, yeah, Catwoman. <laughs> although, oh, here's another question. I, when I walked out of the movie, um, uh, 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 one of the people I saw it with, she was like, oh, I love like she was making fun of the Catwoman Maybe or maybe not bisexual thing. What do you think uh, Selena's relationship with Annika was? I don't think. Th- I mean, it doesn't seem like they were sexual partners. It seems like they were roommates who were bonded by the trauma of working at that season club. <laughs> but the phone call at the beginning when she's racing home. Um, and we see her when he's following her. She does say, "Like, baby, baby, just wait. I'll be there, and I'll be there in a minute. We can talk about this." Mm. It does. It it feels 
while I, I agree, not clear, like not clear that they're in a relationship. It also feels that they're like, well, in some versions of the character, uh, she is bisexual. So let's just throw it in and we'll do the frozen two, um, right? Ca- kind of queer baiting, kind of not. I guess um, I haven't thought about it. I have an issue with Catwoman character. I feel like not not Zoe Kravitz's portrayal necessarily. The character overall. Yeah, because it's always she's just like this sex object. I mean, it it's just and she is here too. I mean, she shows some like competencies about things, but her main thing is like trying to seduce Bruce Wayne and be in very skimpy outfits all the time. And uh, and it's just to me, it's not super interesting. I'm sure there's maybe the Halle Berry one was very good, and that's the one I missed. <laughs> but it always that character feels very one note to me, and it's not even clear why she's a Catwoman in this one. Like, I guess she's a cat. She's burglar. just a cat burglar who wears a wool knit ca- uh, cap that was sewn improperly. Yeah, um, so it has little ears. I see. I actually kind of. My my reading of the character was that she was not really attracted to him and she was just like, oh, this weird dude, I'm going to act flirtatious around him to get him to do the thing I want him to do. And the moment he stops, I stop caring. Well, um, it felt like at the beginning, but then at the end in the aforementioned scene where Batman is badly hurt, uh, it seems like she is like trying and uh to perhaps yeah and at the end the you know the daytime motorcycle trip is really where they <laughs> kind of kiss before oh it was like the chases kiss like it really doesn't feel like they should be together i could it, not believe they ended with that shot of them going separate ways out of the tunnel as if it was like you know the end of the fast and the furious yeah it was <laughs> but it was not warranted because that was true love and this was was like they barely know each other. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I so mean, yeah, in that I just, scene, I don't. It's a scene where Annika, the most flirtatious she is with him, is directly after Annika is kidnapped, and that clearly felt like, oh, she's turning on something. She's flipping a switch, and she knows how to act around him the same way she acts around those guys in the bar. And yet he just stares at her awkwardly because he's <laughs> definitely a weirdo who has never known the touch of a woman. <laughs> um. I mean, he mostly spends his time with bats, so I guess that who, would track. Who do you think has gotten laid more, Robert Pattinson's Batman or uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker? Because I would say probably equal. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's very true. They have the same number of imaginary girlfriends, perhaps. <laughs> or maybe Batman doesn't even need an imaginary girlfriend. He's so past that. He's entirely asexual. Um, well, John, should we give this movie a grade? Yeah, yeah. Where am I? Where am I in this? Okay, yeah. I think I got it. All right. Three, two, one. B. B plus. Hey, off by one or half. Oh, I thought oh. I would. I almost did B. I, I, I feel like something told me I had to jump up to the plus. Yeah. I thought we were going to be together on the B plus. I'm surprised. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I could go B plus too, but nope, you nope, know. nope. You, you've said your piece. We're done. We're yes, done. No. Okay. We, we are forever <laughs> holding our peace then. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, oh, we got to wrap it up. I know you've got a heart out. Darn, I wanted to talk about the Oscar-nominated shorts so badly. 
Well, if you want to do a quick rundown, I have about five minutes. I did. Well, I just we also saw the Oscar nominated animated shorts and I would tell everyone if you have any interest in going to see them, please go this year. It is I feel like in recent years, some of them have not been that good. The one that won last year is maybe my least favorite thing I saw last year of all time. (laughs) Um, But uh, this year they were wild. They were absolutely wild in the past. um, Every few years, there's a warning before like the final one that says uh, this final short is not appropriate for children. We will have a brief intermission before we begin it. And they do that because the Oscar animated shorts are usually advertised towards children and families. Um, This year, that alert came on after the second of five. um, And (laughs) in all the marketing, I checked afterwards, all the marketing has been like, please do not take your kids this year. And uh, they're not kidding. There was full frontal nudity in three of the five shorts, um, a butt shot in the fourth um and it is definitely the only animated uh package i've seen um with a graphic bestiality yeah and i would also mention that in any other year they would have put the warning in front of the second movie yes. yeah <laughs> it's just that yes it's very adult oriented i i think i was kind of lukewarm on the shorts themselves uh at this time around, but I have grown to appreciate them more the more I think about them, which I think it's a good thing. I was uh, very positive and, and and partially because I was like, wow, these are unique. Um, uh, the the most shocking one is about a historical figure I did not know existed, and now I do, and I know that uh, she's one of the worst human beings who ever lived, so that's interesting. Yeah, I think I appreciated the that one made me learn a lot about the Chilean history <laughs> that I did not know. Yeah, uh, I guess we didn't need more than five minutes. Um, I'd love to, uh, if any of you know us personally and have seen the shorts, please talk to us about it. Because I, they are, woo, there's something else. <laughs> they are. And I also want to talk about briefly just mentioning another Colin Farrell movie that just came out called After Yang. Ah, that I've you seen. Got ch- I haven't it, gotten a chance to see it. It's Good. streaming on Showtime, if you have Showtime. Uh, and it was very much not what I expected, but I don't want to spoil in what way, because I think that would spoil the movie. But it is uh, sort of a sci-fi movie about... Uh, an AI assistant, a humanoid AI assistant for this family who ends up malfunctioning. And uh, the owner, Colin Farrell, of said robot gets its memory bank so it can see uh, snippets that the robot filmed. And where it goes from here, I will not say, but it goes in very interesting ways. It also has... Probably, I will say, in March of 2022, my favorite credits of the year. I don't think any uh, any movie will uh, top that. Uh, so a- after Yang, if you're interested in sort of melancholy sci-fi, go and see I, it. I feel like Colin Farrell and Robert Pattinson have a lot in common. They are both 
like ridiculously handsome actors who Hollywood is desperate to make leading man, leading men. And they both clearly would so much rather do weird indie stuff, preferably playing gross weirdos. (laughs) <laughs> which i am all for i like both of these actors uh so yeah uh more of it maybe there will be more uh pattinson colin farrell team-ups maybe they'll do i don't know a yargos lanthimos movie together or something that would be fun Ooh, i'd love to hear uh uh robert pattinson doing his batman voice reading some <laughs> yargos lanthimos dialogue <laughs> i am here i am the batman <laughs> oh, that I is would like so to great. look ver- at the crime scene very much. Um, I don't know why my Yorgos Lanthimos impression sounds like the backwards talk from Twin Peaks. That was not a good impression. Um, all right, I guess. What, what, what are we seeing next? What are we watching next? Well, it would have to be an old movie that yes. came out uh, two oh, or uh, X decades ago, two yeah. weeks from now. Uh, let me tell you what our options would be as I drag this as long as this humanly is so good delaying. Possible. So good delaying. I am doing so great. Uh, <laughs> so I believe our candidates would be limitless. You know, when you oh. unlock all the limits of your brain. That's oh, the, hold um, on. No, that's not true. That was l- the year before. It would be oh. Twenty One Jump Street. Oh, or. Ice Age or oh, Wayne's World again. So not that or uh, Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip. Huh. So most I, likely it will be 21 Jump Street. I love 21 Jump Street. Me too. Um, yeah, it'll probably be that. I'm very down to watch that again. Um, Exciting. I'm sure Ice Age would also be interesting, but um they just had a sequel that direct to streaming that's apparently very bad. Um, but that's uh, not yeah, surprising. <laughs> it'll probably be uh, uh, what uh, fucking Twenty One Jump Street. I've never seen Ice Age, and I look forward to not still not seeing <laughs> it. So, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, we'll see. We'll see what the next episode holds. Maybe I'll force her to watch Ice Age. Oh no. But you'll have to travel to the future to see that in your own time machine, which is waiting. As for us, we'll head there right now. <laughs> toot toot. <laughs> toot toot. <laughs>